Nikki Gumbel, who popularized the Alpha course on which our Q&A series has been based, was an atheist for much of his life. And when he came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, he realized that he had to acknowledge the existence of someone else. He put it this way, I was an atheist and I found it very difficult to believe that there could be a God. Then I became a Christian and I obviously came to believe that there was a God. And then somebody said to me that there's a devil. And I thought, come on, it's hard enough to believe that there's a God, let alone to believe that there's a devil. When we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, one of the things we have to realize is Jesus acknowledged that there is a devil. In fact, Jesus was tempted by the devil as we are. What Jesus said about the devil is this. The thief, that is the devil, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that may have, they may have life and have it to the full. The devil wants to rob us, to ruin us, to kill us. Why? Well, because he was the chief angel in heaven and he decided that wasn't high enough. He wanted to be God. So he had a battle with God and he lost. And God cast him down to the earth. And he has been hating God ever since, but he can't do much about God. So he works against us because he knows God loves us and hurting us hurts God. Now that's a challenging idea for us to believe who live in 2022, isn't it? We have seemingly limitless facts at our fingertips, so we find it hard to accept that there's a God who created everything, and then there's this being who's not equal and opposite in its power, but has the ability to cause destruction and death all over the earth. It's, it's something that's really hard to believe, and Nicky Gumbel pointed out that maybe it's hard to believe because of this. This is what he said. I think part of the problem is before I had a false image of God, I had a kind of picture of God as an old man with a beard sitting on a cloud. And similarly, I think many people's image of the devil is kind of like a devil with horns, a tail, cloven hooves, and a pitchfork. And both, obviously, both these images of God and the devil are not only unbelievable, but they're also unbiblical. Unbelievable and unbiblical. That's the problem. People think that the Bible is filled with myths and legends, but most people who think that haven't ever read the Bible, or, or they don't understand it. And I'm not going to tell you that I understand everything in the Bible, but I understand it a lot better now after reading it for 59 years than I did when I first started reading it as a little boy. As we read it, as we put ourselves in a position to learn from it, we understand more. So the reason I'm commenting on believing in God and believing in the devil is for a simple reason. Our question today in our Q and answer series is, how can I resist evil? Well, it's pretty hard to talk about evil if there is no such thing as evil, if there's no source of evil, right? So we acknowledge that there's a God and we acknowledge that there is a source of evil, the devil. On the very first weekend of this series, way back on September 10th and 11th, I said this, every speaker you're going to hear during this series believes Jesus is the son of the living God and that life is best when we follow him. And so in the intervening seven weeks since then, we've established the credibility of Jesus of the Bible. We've talked about how every one of those people who are up here presenting these messages interact with God because we have faith in God. We believe that he hears us and responds to us. We believe that he guides us. We believe that he lives inside of us by the Holy Spirit. And we also believe that the rest of our life will be better if we have a relationship with the living God of the universe in the name of his son Jesus and in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. But we also recognize evil exists. Bad things happen to us all and horrendous things have happened to some of us. How can that be if God loves us? Well, the short answer is we have an enemy. 
and he wants to hurt us. Jesus defeated the devil on the cross 2,000 years ago. And one day, the devil's going to pay the ultimate consequence for his rejection of God's leadership. And he's going to be separated in a place we call hell forever. But in the meantime, God is patient and gracious. That's a good thing for the devil. But you know what? It's a pretty good thing for us too. Because it means that we can all do pretty much whatever we want to do right now. When Jesus told us that the thief comes to kill and to steal and destroy, he didn't end that statement with a period. He said, but I came that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. The reason that some people think that evil has the same power as good in the world, which it doesn't, is because they they think that the devil has the same power as God. But he doesn't. Because, you see, if God were able to get rid of all the evil, why doesn't he? Isn't that a question every one of us has asked? I mean, if God is all-powerful, if he's good, then why doesn't he get rid of all the evil? Why do our loved ones die before we want them to die? Why is it that we lose things in life that matter most to us? Why is there war and starvation and suffering in the world? Again, the thief is at work, and God still permits him for now. Let's look at our take-home point right now to see what we can do personally about the thief's assault on us, on you and on me. And the take-home point, if you're new here, the take-home point is the one point I'm going to be making from the scriptures we read that we want to, in this case, we really want to take home and live out in the week ahead. And here it is. The devil's out to destroy us, but God gives us victory when we stand in his goodness and power. You know, we live in a fallen world. And what does that mean? You know, we say that all the time in the church. We live in a fallen world. What does that mean? Well, it means that the devil deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, and they believed a lie. And because they believed that lie, everything that was good, it's still good, but there came into the world something that's not good, evil. And the truth is, we live in that fallen world now, and every time we believe a lie that the devil tells us, that evil spreads. And I would say, most of us, I know I did, I've already believed a lie today. And that's what happens. The devil's lies are so pervasive that we let them into our lives. And when we do that, God's goodness is not overcome, but but we just miss out on it. So if you're still wondering whether evil exists, maybe you're still wondering even if God exists, would you do me a favor right now? Would you willingly suspend your disbelief for a moment? Because I want to talk about what Jesus said about the devil and evil. If God exists and if Jesus is his son, as we believe here at New Life, then it only makes sense that Jesus would be the the authority on the devil and evil. So here's what happened. Jesus was having an interaction with the religious leaders of his day. As he was walking on the earth, the Pharisees, they came to him, they were having an argument. Really, what they were having an argument about is that Jesus told them who their enemy is and that they were participating in the enemy's plan and they weren't buying it. In fact, what they did, this is sort of a low thing. Human beings do this every now and then. Jesus was talking up here on a matter of spirituality, but what the Pharisees did was they attacked Jesus' background, his personal background. They said, you know what? Your birth, I mean, who who was your mother? You see, the scandal of the virgin birth in Jesus' day was not that he was born of a virgin. It's that his mother Mary was not a virgin when he was born. Jesus had raised questions about the Pharisees and saying that they weren't children of God. 
And they simply said, who, who, whose child are you, Jesus? And it was, a, it was getting like, you know, it was getting into the weeds, but Jesus brought the comments back to the power of what it means when we follow either God or when we don't follow God. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but he's, he sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. So Jesus wanted the religious leaders to understand that they were following their father, the devil. And they wouldn't accept that. I mean, they thought they were following the one true God. They didn't believe what Jesus said. But if you think about what Jesus said, it's such a profound truth. He said that any time we follow the devil's words, the devil's ways, the devil's deceptions, and the devil's lies, we are his children. So right now, let's let that sink in for a minute. Right now, we are either children of the God of the universe who has expressed himself in Father, Son, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, or we are children of the devil. Now, how can I say that? Because Jesus just said it. The Apostle Paul said it. The early church realized that there was a personal force of evil out there in the world, and he uses three things to deceive us. The world, our own lies, which probably those lies are the ones that are most common in our lives, and the devil who whispers in our ears and sometimes shouts in our ears. So how is it that we can resist evil? That's the question. How can we resist evil? Pretty simple. We must simply live no lies. We can't let the world lie to us. We can't lie to ourselves. And we can't let the, the devil whisper or shout those lies into our ears. And that's far easier said than done. <laughs> we all know that, right? I mean, how easy is it? to sin. It's so easy. It's like I always say, sinning is like a log floating down a river. It's not very hard for a log to float down a river, is it? It just naturally does that because we are, as I already said, fallen people living in a fallen world. Sin is fun until it isn't. Sin is as easy as taking a breath. That's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to turn away from God and to turn to evil. So God... God has a purpose for us. Jesus told us what it is to live in a, a life that's full, a life of abundance. And yet, so often we follow into the footsteps of the devil and we take on what he offers as a substitute. I mean, it doesn't make sense that we would let the devil steal, kill, and destroy us, right? But the devil's lies and the devil's tools are always packaged in glittery and shiny packages. So let's go back to what the religious leaders of Jesus' day were doing with Jesus for a moment. They couldn't accept the truth that Jesus is God or that he is God's son. And they stayed committed to their beliefs and their doubts. I'm going to talk about beliefs and doubts for a minute because we all have them. And you realize the devil is really good at getting us to doubt God and to believe his lies. 
If, if we're going to talk about faith and doubt, we need to realize that there has to be a room for doubt in order for there to be faith. You don't have to have faith that I'm standing here right now. You can see me. I'm here. There, there's, there doesn't take any faith whatsoever. But if I say to you, I believe in Jesus, now you have to have some faith. Because how do you know that's true? How do you know if I have faith in Jesus? Maybe you doubt that I have faith in Jesus. What, what is the determining factor? I mean, I'm standing up here talking about Jesus in a pretty eloquent manner. What, doesn't that prove that I'm following Jesus? Well, not really. Because Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. And I'll be honest, I don't follow the will of my father, his father in heaven, 100% of the time, if I told you I did, I'd be lying to you. So how do you know? Well, you have to look at what I say, and you have to look at my life, how I live, and then you have to sort of decide, hmm, is there enough evidence that I should believe? I mean, certainly there's reason to doubt because not perfect. And that's the way it is in everybody's life. Everybody that knows you, and knows if you do claim Jesus as Savior and Lord, they know that. And so they're always wondering, should I believe that or should I doubt that? And we give people reason to believe when we hear the word of God and when we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why it's so important that once we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, that we lean into him and lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and start to live more and more like him. But here's the key. Jesus always did the right thing. Always, 100% of the time. Jesus always lived the will of his Father in heaven. And as a result, the religious leaders had him killed. 100% perfect. And yet the religious leaders had him killed. Why? Because Jesus was right. They were following their father, the devil. And before we condemn them, we need to realize we all follow our father, the devil, until we transfer allegiance and let Jesus Christ be Savior and Lord in our life. Do you remember if you were around back at Easter and the, the weeks following what Craig Rochelle in his book, Winning the War in, the, in, in Your Mind, he said this, a lie believed as truth will impact your life as if it were true. A lie Believed is truth is going to impact our lives as if it were true, right? So what that means is we live in a culture in 2022 that doesn't value truth. In fact, most of the culture doesn't even believe there is truth. Can you imagine what a victory that is for the devil when people doubt truth? Because the foundation of our lives is the truth that there is a God who has a son named Jesus who has lived, died, risen again and is right now in in heaven at the right hand of God praying for us. That's what the scripture teaches. So how do we resist evil if the most religious people in Jesus' day fell for the devil's lies? Well, it's simple. We focus on truth. So here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to not think about a purple cow. Do not think about a purple cow. Whatever you do, don't think about a purple cow. So what are you thinking about right now? Now, unless you purposely put something else in your mind, you are thinking about a purple cow right now. That's the way it works. In fact, I don't like to say, how do we resist evil? Because as soon as I say the word evil, I start to think about evil. And I might even start to do evil. So I'd let, I'm going to change the question. Here's the question I'd like us to consider today. How can we live in goodness? Because you see, goodness is not natural. Evil's natural. It's like floating down the, the river if you're a log. It's that natural. But goodness is 
unnatural. It's, it's really not a natural question to ask, how can we live in goodness? To live in goodness requires a new way of thinking, a new way of living. Actually, what Jesus said is it requires a new life. When Nicodemus, one of the Pharisees, came to Jesus at night, Jesus didn't say, you know, Nicodemus, you need a better life. He said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need a whole new life. A couple weeks ago at the end of the service when I was getting ready for us to pray for folks who wanted to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, I, I looked at everybody and I said, you know, Jesus didn't come to give us a better life. Jesus came to give us a whole new life. Jesus came to give us a whole new life. Now, the idea of resisting evil, it's biblical. James, Jesus' half-brother, he actually told us to resist evil. Here's what he said. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. So James did say, resist the devil, right? Then he'll flee from you. But what did he say before that and after that? The first thing he said was, humble yourself and draw near to God. What does it mean to humble ourselves? It means to admit we're not all that. It means to admit that we have weakness. It means that to admit that we're fallible. It means to admit that we have a need. Actually, we need God. And then the next thing he said was, draw close to God. You know, here's the thing. Every time we draw close to God, guess where the devil goes? Far away. We don't have to, you know, the devil doesn't flee from us because we resist evil. He flees from us because he doesn't like God. And when we stand close to God, the devil runs away. I want to resist the devil on my own. Don't you want to be the strong, tough person who resists the devil on your own? That's what we want to do. But here's what I find out. When I stand up to get to the devil without humility, without drawing close to God, he kicks my butt every single time. He gives me a whooping because that's what happens when a weakling goes up against the Hulk. You lose. And when we become new people in Jesus Christ, we don't become superheroes. We become new people who have a master who can conquer everything, has already conquered sin and death, and will lead us forever in our lives. So let's look at this a different way, just for a moment. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian church and he was finishing up his letter, he was talking about how we live this new life, how our lives become different. And what he said was simple. He said, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Okay, so he's going to talk about the armor of God. A Roman soldier's armor is going to be the image that he uses. Everybody in that day would have been familiar with it, but he's going to use spiritual terms. But before he even says that, he says, be strong in the Lord. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. And in his mighty power, we can stand firm. No armor is needed if we have the Lord in front of us. Okay, so then he says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. The devil has a lot of strategies. Once we put the armor on, no, 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 not once we put the armor on. Once we are standing firm and in the Lord and in his mighty power, that's all we really have to do, stand. Because God's going to take care of the strategies of the devil. And then he says this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So what I want you to do right now is I want you to very gently take one hand and go like this. Pinch yourself, please. Was that flesh and blood? Mm, I think it was. So that means that you are not your enemy. Okay, very gently. Lean over to the person next to you, and I want you to very gently, you know, pinch the person next to you. 
Is that flesh and blood? I believe that's flesh and blood, right? So that means that nobody in this room is our enemy. What, what Paul was reminding us is we're in a spiritual battle. This is not a physical battle we're engaging when we talk about all of this. We're talking about a spiritual battle against forces that he names. They actually have four individual names, and they're demonic forces who are out to get us. But we spend most of our time thinking that we're the enemy or somebody else is the enemy. Somebody out there in the world is the enemy. And let me tell you, we can work for the enemy. But we're not the enemy. The devil is the enemy. I'm going to preach a sermon about that another day. But for right now, let's get back to the point that Paul's making. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Be standing firm. So... What Paul is telling us is we put on all the armor, we're standing there, God's mighty power is with us, and when we do that, when the battle's over, we're going to still be standing. We're going to still be intact because God is with us. In fact, what we're going to do in a moment after I tell you what the, scripture, uh, what the, what the armor is, um, we're going to do something. So, first of all, here's what Paul says. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, we've preached series about the armor of God, so we're not going to go into that in depth right now, but simply this. When we stand in God's power, defending ourselves with his truth, righteousness, peace, salvation, and word, we don't need to resist the devil. We are already living in his victory. So, I want you to do something right now. If you're able, would you please stand up? Okay? And I'm going to ask you to do something else, and here you already did part of it. So I want you to turn around and face the back of the room. Everybody, we're all going to face that way. And so we're going to pretend that back there in the back of the room, that's where the devil is. The devil is back there. All right? Now, first thing I want you to do is I want you to remember something. Jesus is standing right behind you. Okay? He's breathing down your neck. Can you feel Jesus breathing down your neck? <laughs> all right. Thank you, Henry. So if Jesus is breathing down our neck, how much fear do you have of the devil? None. Okay, that's good. That's right. That's the correct answer. Okay, so now we have Jesus standing behind us, and then we have what in front of us? On our armor, we have this armor. We have the helmet of salvation, uh, you know, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, all this stuff. We know what it is. So we have this armor in front of us. We have Jesus behind us. So who can beat us? No one. That's the right answer, too. Okay, so turn around and face me, but don't sit down. Here's a simple question. Why is it, if we can't be defeated, that we get defeated all the time? Short answer, no butt guards. Our armor does not protect our backs. And we run away. The, the, the thing, remember what it's supposed to be if we draw close to God, who runs away? The devil runs away. <laughs> but we don't stand firm we run away. And when we run away, we're vulnerable because the devil only can attack us from the back because he's a coward and he's a liar. He's always whispering lies in our ears. So if we stand firm with Jesus at our back and the armor of God in our front, we're invincible. Always have been, always will be. Now, you can sit down. No, no, no. Yeah, that's okay. 
I was going to say it probably would make more sense for the next step if you were standing, but that's okay. Uh, the next step says this, I will stand in God's presence and live in his power every moment this week. I will stand in God's presence. And that's not figurative, you know, that's real. We can stand in God's presence, the power of the Holy Spirit. He's inside of us. He's with us. Jesus said, what's the last thing Jesus said before he went up to heaven in Matthew 28? He said, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So that's the truth. So we have this truth. And, and, and I know what's happening even right now. The devil's whispering in your ear. <laughs> that's not true. You're, you're going to screw up. Before you, I can get you to screw up before you leave the building. And he can if we do what? Forget that Jesus is standing right here with us, right here inside of us, that we have the armor. It happened to me in this building this morning. I got a little impatient. I thought I was more important than I was. That's what the devil always wants to do. He wants us to become impatient and think we're a little more, more important than we are. Reality is, we're pretty important. Because Jesus died for us on the cross. So, so when the devil starts whispering in our ear, let's whisper in his ear. Go to hell. Because eventually he's going to, and he's going to stay there forever. We have the right to tell him that because when we're standing next to Jesus, you know, in his authority, we have the right to do that. The devil is always going to lie to us because that's all he does. If he opens his mouth, he's lying. If his demons are talking, they're lying. If the world talks to us, according to the scripture, it's lying. Unfortunately, we lie to ourselves a lot. So we've got to stop that. And then what? Then we stand in God's presence. The devil only lies to us for one reason. Because he knows if we believe the truth and live the truth, he loses. He is a loser. He already lost, but he sure doesn't give up. And so, as we go out today, let's remember who's standing behind us, standing within us, the armor we have. Let's go get him. Amen? All right. So, the only way that we can do that, the only way we can live in God's presence is if Jesus is Savior and Lord in our lives. So if you're here today and Jesus Christ is not yet Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, Lord, which means owner, master, God, then we need to have that transfer of ownership I mentioned a while back from being a child of the devil to being a child of the living God. And that happens as simple as A, B, C. A, we admit that we're sinners. We admit that before we got out of bed this morning, we probably were going to sin today if we didn't have something happen to change that. We admit we're sinners. B, this is what can happen that changes that. We believe the truth. We believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God, that he is Lord and Savior of all who receive him. By the blood that he shed on the cross, sin is overcome, and we have a new life. We believe that. And then, see, we confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. What that means is to agree. We agree in our deepest insides, in our spirit, soul, and body. We believe and we agree. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and God and Savior in our lives. And then we call on the Holy Spirit to live in us. And we remember that means that Jesus is always standing with us. And really, we're standing with him and we stand with him, that means that we are invincible in him. If you're ready to pray that prayer, 
Then pray it with me right now. Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I live in a fallen world and I'm fallen and I need you. And I believe right now that your son Jesus came to the earth and lived a perfect life, only one ever lived, and that he died for me, rose for me, that he is right now reigning in power over me, and he's praying for me, and I trust him. And God, I confess right now that Jesus is now Savior and Lord in my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live the new life that you created me to live before the foundation of the universe. And God, I pray that prayer, if, 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 it's, if it's a prayer that's been prayed for the first time, that that person, people, that they will experience the newness of life that only you can give. And for all of us that have prayed something like that, God, and we've probably had some failures, and God, I pray for those to be released from us, for the devil's lies to have no effect in our lives, and that we would live victoriously in this moment, in every moment, in Jesus' name, amen.